Welcome to Third Angle, where we're looking back at 2023 to revisit the designers and engineers leading the charge to combat climate change with technology. I'm your host, Paul Hames from industrial software company PTC. In this podcast, we share the moments where digital transforms physical and meet the brilliant minds behind some of the most innovative products around the world, each powered by PTC technology. From extreme weather events to rising sea levels, there is no doubt that we've had a huge impact on the environment around us. If human beings are going to continue to thrive on planet Earth, we need smart thinking to drastically change the way we do things. Here at The Third Angle, we love innovation, especially when positive impact is baked into the design. So in this special New Year episode, we're taking a look back on a few of the most inspiring stories of sustainability in action we featured on The Third Angle. The last 30 episodes have taken us all around the globe. Today, we are starting in the UK, in a sustainably designed home from London-based architects, Warehome. Did you know that our homes are a huge contributor to our carbon footprints? From the energy used in central heating to the materials used in their construction, and buildings more generally account for 39% of all global energy-related carbon emissions. In May 2023, Warehome founder Joe Stewart took us on a tour of his own house and explained how building materials such as timber could be the key to drastically reduced energy consumption. How are you doing? Hello, Joe. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So we're here outside our house in East London, uh, which is the first home we built as we're home. So obviously we're in the first house that we designed and built as we're home, and this kind of is the genesis of, of the company as it is now. It started out of the fact that I couldn't afford a place to live in London. I couldn't find anything that had anywhere near the level of comfort that I felt as someone who, who works quite hard that I felt like I kind of deserved. So I was looking to find an opportunity and this I stumbled upon this site, stumbled upon the opportunity to design something. I've always been in design and engineering and tinkering and I've always had a love for architecture. The key here is, you know, we're building homes. We've got people building for themselves, so they care. It has to be a sustainable development and it has to be interesting. You know, something that's just a standard two up, two down. We're not the best people to, to do that project for you because we'll get too into the detail will probably cost too much because the amount of time we we spend to get the design just right but when it comes to creating a home we're not just facilitating a utilitarian approach to building a building we're creating you know hopefully future memories for people so we've just entered the building uh, we're in sort of our vestibule entrance hall we've got sort of the glazing on the north side here that just brings a lot of light into this space which is you know only a few square meters on this level we've got our sort of main bathroom which is sort of accessible for, for anyone visiting so on some of the surfaces like the floors and the the walls of the bathrooms where we're seeing the potential for a lot more abrasion from people coming in and using their shoes or chemicals and, and water we've used um, basically a material here a seamless surface which is a, a water-based polymer that is like a concrete sort of finish so it's, it's got that gray kind of patinaed almost cloudy look but is is sort of not quite as got quite as much embodied energy as, as, a, as a concrete finish would be. So as an architectural practice, we specialise in passive house, which is a, um, it's actually a German approach to analysing 
how your design works, both looking at how it works thermally, but holistically. So when you think of how much energy you need to heat the house, how much energy you need to cool the house, where you need to put the windows, it's a very thorough, typically German approach to assessing the design rather than just building what looks pretty and then going, I hope this works. So in the case of this house, the application of Passive House was, was key to essentially leaving us with a home that doesn't have a heating system. So we're currently sitting in maybe 21, 22 degrees and it's only being heated by our body heat. You know, the appliances that are in here, your fridge and your freezer, and then the sun from the outside. So in the summer months, it's key to make sure that we're shading the house correctly. And in the winter months, we're essentially just heating it ourselves. So I think there is a huge amount of Swedish influence, not not only because my wife is Swedish and her family is Swedish, but also because I think the way the Swedes, the Japanese, and, and also sort of areas of Europe work with smaller spaces, tighter spaces, functionality of, of rooms, of separation between rooms, I think that all feeds in really well. But we see a lot of the Largon principle coming into how we work, and Largon meaning sort of just enough or just so. It's, it's essentially not too much, not too little, kind of that Goldilocks position. We're now half a floor down where we've got our spare bedroom um, and our sort of wet room space. This is where when we have guests staying, it's almost like their own little space because they've come in the entrance and down, whereas the rest of the house is up and out the way. Uh, we also use it in the summertime because we use the sun to heat the house. It means that the lower down the space we are, um, naturally, it's slightly cooler. So when we had the 40 degree plus temperatures last year, this was a nice, cool space that we could retreat to. In layman's terms, embodied energy is, is the amount of energy it takes to create something. So when you think of steel, it has to be created in a forge. There's a lot of heat that goes into there. There's a lot of energy going into bending, fabricating, drawing these materials out. When you think of a tree, the tree kind of grows itself and we cut it down. And yes, there's energy in cutting it and, and, and transporting it, but it's far less than having to you know, dig something out of the ground, apply a lot of heat, pressure, to make it a usable material. So timber is obviously the one that we're drawn to as, as, a, as a low embodied energy material. But on top of that, it, it has the potential to offset the energy. It's called carbon sequestering. And it's the fact that, you know, in the right conditions under managed forests where, where they're, they're replanting appropriately, you're actually able to capture some of the carbon. It gets stored in the building. The byproduct of, of managing these trees actually helps sort of manage more carbon dioxide in the, in, in the environment. And it's this lovely cycle of once you've used it in the building, it can then sort of almost go down a peg and, and down cycle to the next appropriate material right the way through to being pelleted and burnt. And then that carbon gets released back into the environment and, and then starts the whole cycle all over again. That was Joe Stewart from Warehome. Now, can you imagine a busy construction site working in near silence? Volvo Construction Equipment is leading the charge in electrifying construction and making the industry cleaner and greener. Given the carbon footprint of the industry, transitioning away from diesel power has the potential to make a big impact. But the other benefit is a much quieter construction site. We met Dave Vandersleen, Ray Gallant and Lars Arnold at Volvo Construction Equipment's North American Customer Centre and got up close to the new electric machines, giving their predecessors a run for their money. So this is the ECR25, 6,000 pound rated compact excavator. 
uh, the first mini excavator we're coming out with in North America. So this machine is very similar as the diesel machine. So we have the same boom, arm, structure, undercarriage, cabin. 80% of the parts are the same. The main difference is that the diesel engine and the fuel tank has been uh, replaced by a set of lithium-ion batteries feeding then an electric motor driving the hydraulic pump. Okay, to start up the machine, master switch on, climbing into the machine, turning on the ignition, and as the machine's getting ready, putting on the seatbelt, because the machine has a very loud seatbelt warning. And now I push a button and the machine is up and running. So it's very, very quiet. That's the noise we have on this machine. And it's so good because it enables, a quiet machine enables to talk with bystanders. On a diesel machine, I would need to idle down or turn off the engine. So in this machine, you can hear me now, it's very easy to communicate with people. I'm in the diesel machine right now, the same size machine, ECR25, diesel. I need to turn on the master switch. Crank. A little bit different to the electric machine, isn't it? When comparing the diesel machine versus the electric machine, operators are telling us that the machine, the electric machines feel better. It's more reactive. And of course this makes sense because a diesel engine to get more flow, the RPM needs to go up and this has some kind of lag. Electric motors are on instantly providing instant torque and the machine feels more active. Actually some customers tell me or is telling us that the machines feel stronger than the diesel equivalent machine. So they feel great actually. It's amazing how comfortable the machines are by taking vibration and noise away. So yeah, one of the unique applications that we ran into uh, early on when we were demoing electric equipment was with the Toronto Zoo in Canada, where they brought the electric equipment inside the pens where the animals were, were free-ranging. And one of the things that they found was because of the low noise, low emissions, and low vibrations, the animals didn't get agitated nearly as quickly as they did with diesel equipment. So they were able to work with diesel equipment for about half an hour, 45 minutes before the animals would start getting agitated. With the electric equipment, they were able to work much longer periods of time close by the animals, and the animals weren't bothered at all by it. So it was kind of unique to see our equipment working around bison and giraffes and, and other animals in a zoo environment, which is not an application that we would have probably picked out or designed for, but happened to be an application that the electric machines were perfect for. We're also looking more and more at doing things in a virtual world. So instead of during the early production or production process, we build prototypes. Instead of building them you know, with physical machines out of steel, we can build them in a virtual world and even do virtual assembly prototyping. So with a virtual factory, the operators can put a headset on and see 
how the machines go together in a virtual world well before we have anything in steel when it's a lot easier to make changes because to make a change in a virtual environment takes minutes depending on how big the change is compared to days or weeks to make a change you know, on a real machine. That's really cool. I mean, that sounds like metaverse stuff. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to the metaverse yet, but definitely more virtual. And even giving customers access to virtual machines so they can see what the machines look like and even sit in a machine and operate it in a virtual world you know, before we ever sell them. Dave Andersleen, Ray Gallant and Lars Arnold there from Volvo Construction. Keeping on the theme of electrification, we move from North America to the Netherlands and a visit to EV Boxes HQ and find out more about their award-winning electric vehicle chargers. If you're an electric car owner, range anxiety, the fear of running out of juice can be very real. But with their innovation in charging technology, EVBox wants to make charging your car as easy as charging your phone. Back in April 2023, product manager Chris van der Stadt and program manager Steven Vitakruis told us how the electric future is bright. We're on a mission to reduce uh, carbon emissions from transportation all over the world. And indeed, you can see that and feel that in everything we do here. So, well, you can look around you, everything is green. And that's not just because uh, we like it, but it's really what we stand for uh, as a company. EV Box was founded around 2010. And it was after the founder had driven a Tesla Roadster. And he became very inspired by that and then decided to start his own company to uh, manufacture charging stations. He saw the big opportunity ahead. In the last 13 years now, we've really grown quite steadily and now it's really accelerating as the adoption of electric vehicles expands. So we are one of the very first to market, especially in the Netherlands, you see our charging stations all over. Now we're walking past our lab where we do our development testing, validation of new chargers, new features. So here we have an indoor garage. We can drive up to two cars here at once and test them in a variety of different conditions. So we have a climate chamber. We can test our chargers through the whole range of temperatures down to negative 25 Celsius and up to 60 degrees to ensure they work in a wide variety of conditions. And we also have many different power options available here. And what are the challenges in trying to convert people to this uh, new tech? Range anxiety is a big one. and That's where you're worried that you won't be able to arrive at your destination or that you may become stuck somewhere because you can't charge. However, now charging stations are becoming much more common. You can find them on Google Maps. Especially driving in the Netherlands, it's uh, almost as easy as finding a gas station. Also with having an EV, if you own your own EV or have your own EV charger or charging at work, it's quite nice because you never have to go to the gas station. You can charge on your own time and own terms. 
So what we see here is uh, Levo, our residential charger, uh, where we have two variants, uh, one with a cable attached, uh, if you want to keep the cable uh, at the station all the time, uh, but also one with a socket where you can plug in your own cable. And what you can see here is the uh, LED strip, which is a very nice intuitive invention from our side, where the color of the LEDs combined with the icons show you the state of the charger. So it's very intuitive and easy for people to understand what is happening inside the station. So what we see is our charger on a pole uh, so that people can place it in their garden or, or wherever they want to place their charger. It's a nice uh, sleek design and the whole charger is made from macrolon which is a, it's a plastic material uh, but not just a regular macrolon but it's actually uh, macrolon RE and we are the first charging company or EV charging manufacturer that uses this material and the RE part means that the material is not based on, it's not a regular plastic, but it's a, a plastic made from biomaterial as an input material, which reduces the overall food, carbon footprint of the product by up to 70%. Yeah, so for the innovation that has gone into Levo, I think there are two types of innovation. So first of all, and that's for us the most important one right now, is the innovation in the usability of the product. So where previously, in the beginning of the, of the charging industry, it was really technology driven, what you see right now is that people want a station or a charging solution that is super easy to use and that they don't need to think about. Basically, one of our customers said, I want charging my electric car to be as easy as charging my laptop. So that's what we're trying to achieve with, uh, with this new generation of products. So we've done a lot of user testing, uh, UX design, thinking about how to design the app, how should it work together with what you see on the LEDs on the, on the station, so that it becomes a very, very intuitive way of using the product, so you don't really need to think about using it anymore. That's the first part of innovation. And then secondly, more technically, what you see is that your charging station or your EV in general, electric vehicle in general, becomes part of your energy system at home. So people are getting more and more uh, electric appliances into their homes, like uh, heat pumps, like solar panels, like batteries maybe even uh, to store their energy at home. And uh, your charging station is becoming an essential part of it because that allows your car to maybe even deliver energy back to your home or at least charge your car when it's sunny outside so that you use most of your own, uh, own generated uh, electricity. So that's the technology innovation that, that our charging station is able to communicate with all of those different appliances at home to basically optimize your energy usage. And I think with the recent developments in the energy price and energy availability, that's becoming uh, even more important. That was Chris van der Stadt and Steven Vitacruz from EVbox. Finally, we're shifting across the globe to Kenya. If you've been to East Africa, you may be familiar with Boda Bodas. If not, they're small taxi motorcycle, commonly used by couriers or to transport people. Rome was founded in 2017 with the aim of creating an electric future for Africa by producing easy-to-use, affordable electric motorcycles. We went to Rome's HQ in Nairobi to meet product owner Masa Kichui. He took us for a spin on a Rome Air and told us about the positive impact that the company is having locally, from replacing traditional Boda Bodas to employing a workforce which is 39% female. My name is Masalula Kitui. Uh, 
I'm product owner here at Rome um, for the electric bikes, the Rome Air. And yes, work a lot on building an electric bike that can fit a Boda Boda user case. A Boda Boda is a general term that we use here in Kenya to explain motorcycle riders of a specific type of motorcycle. They're generally used as motorcycle taxis or last mile delivery for many sorts of things in Nairobi. So this could be from food deliveries to courier services to taxis for general people to move from bus stop to their final destination and so on and so forth. Rome Electric is a sustainability company that we've we've been operating for the last six years and it's a Swedish-born company but operates out of Nairobi, Kenya um, and we started by converting safari vehicles so being a proof of concept of how we could electrify Africa one vehicle at a time started from safari vehicles where we pulled out the diesel engines and made them electric. Over time we then diversified our product market and moved into electric motorcycles where today we sell the Rome Air. We also have energy and charging systems and electric buses as well. We have an electric motorbike called the Rome Air. Um, this is our my child baby. I've been designing it for the last four years and we developed this motorbike from the ground up. Um, we designed its own, our own frame for it. Uh, a lot of society rely on the motorcycle as a last, last part of a journey in any form of sense. So we tried to make it robust, simple to use, and a workhorse. It's where we're not aiming to be lights and glitter. We are a workhorse, we are a durable motorbike that it's reliable, it can get you from point A to point B no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what you're carrying. And we don't want to change that ethos. I think the best way is to just give you a demonstration and for you to see it and experience it yourself in person is the best way you'll see how the product reacts. So, as I get onto the bike, um, I'm putting on my helmet. Uh, as you turn the ignition on, the screen comes on, has a bright display showing me my battery percentage. Right now I'm at 28% which is about 30 kilometers of range. I have my different driving modes, my speed and my power reading. I can then press P and I remove it from the parking gear into the drive gear. So right now the bike is active. It, it is life, it can move. So remove it from the center stand and just ride.
definitely a shift of the market of electric vehicles getting more popular, both um, in general for all vehicles, but mainly in electric motorbikes. We see a lot of parties coming into Africa trying to build and convert as much as this, and we are all for it because it is a mission to electrify Africa and make as many vehicles possible. So all all competitors are are embraced rather it's um it's a big world challenge that we're trying to commit to and trying to develop towards and it's a win across the board so we have seen big upkeep of this and uh, many people are driving towards going electric so yes happy happy to see that happening and we hope for the most success through it A lot of our engineers are locally based. Um, we're strong believers that the Kenyan market have fantastic, brilliant engineers, and they're all very passionate about this. Me being an engineer myself, who found 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 out of Rome and was hooked from the second that I that I read about it and wanted to work here. Right, so there's a lot of people who've built on that and have a lot of passion in what they're doing. We specialize on specific areas of development that might not be too common. And this is anywhere in the world a challenge to find and to recruit for. So being in Kenya isn't specifically the disadvantage, it's being in a new field that requires us to step out and recruit for specific talent and certain skill sets but yeah it's it's a great it's a great balance of people um i don't know how much you've taken note of as we were walking around but we have about 39 percent of our staff being females um and you'll see that even on our production line you'll see it with our engineers you'll see it in our after sales and yeah just giving the ability for people to do a lot of technical stuff that generally doesn't happen too often in Kenya and just yeah the ability to dive into deep engineering and deep research and development is something unique to this company and it's one of the reasons that I I, I found it and loved it so yeah that was Massa there from Rome That's all for this New Year special. Continued thanks to all the pioneering people and companies we feature on The Third Angle. And I hope you found this episode inspiring and you're energized about the future of design. If you haven't already, why not listen back to our catalogue of previous episodes, available on ptc.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is an 1860 production from PTC. Executive producer is Jackie Cook. Sound design and editing by Clarissa Maycock. And music by Rowan Bishop.